and the Oscar goes to Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. And the Oscar goes to Lupita Nyong'o. And the Oscar goes to Halle Berry in Monsters Ball. And the Oscar goes to Hilary Swank in Boys Don't Cry. And the winner is Marvelous Meryl Streep. And the Oscar goes to Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. And the Oscar goes to Olivia Colman. Welcome to this episode of Academy Queens. I'm Joey Gentili. And I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And we are your LGBT guide through the Academy Awards per decade per category, where we're starting off with season one with Ladies of the 70s. How are you this week? Great. It's been cold as fuck. It's been fucking cold. But uh, we've been hit by the, with the uh, polar vortex, is that what they're calling it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we got several inches of snow. Yeah. And it's... Negative a bajillion. It's below zero. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, not having it. It's funny. I hate summer. I hate mm -hmm. sweating. I would rather deal with this yeah. than the constant sweat. Yeah. But I hate, I hate the wind chill factor of mm -hmm. being next to a body of water. Right. That's what makes it horrible for me. We're literally a few miles from a great lake. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bueno, and it's been so cold. And actually, um, Chicago they said was colder than Antarctica. That's what I read. Insane. Uh -huh. I just feel bad for the homeless. Like they right. found so many people dead, and like, yeah. it's just that's a terrible way to go. Thankfully, I saw some things around here from Cleveland and Akron. There is some some locations that are being turned into, um, I don't know what the word is, but they're basically taking people in, like bus stops and li yeah. libraries Good. and certain public facilities are allowing people to stay overnight yeah. if they need it yeah. for free, which Good. is great. Yeah, it's just sad. I mean, not that it's... Not that it's ever good to die before your time, but they do mm -hmm. say when, you know, if you freeze to death, it's like falling asleep. So I guess it's like, mm -hmm. I guess it's like a, I guess, painless way to go. It's also sad. No one should ever go like that. That's yeah. fucking terrible. But let's talk about some fun things. It's <laughs> got a little dark there for a second. Um, we're going into 1975 today. Yeah, we are. Which I'm excited about because it also featured uh, one of our first interviews uh, with Ronnie Blakely. Right. So let's just, ready to dive in? Sure. All right. So your nominees for Best Supporting Actress of 1975 were? Ronnie Blakely in Nashville. Lee Grant in Shampoo. Sylvia Miles in Farewell, My Lovely. Lily Tomlin in Nashville. Brenda Vaccaro in Jacqueline Suzanne's Once Is Not Enough. All right, so let's talk about her. Ronnie Blakely. Mm -hmm. Ronnie Blakely played Barbara Jean in Nashville. This was Ronnie's first and as of uh, current only nomination. Um, she went into Academy Night with a Golden Globe nomination. She actually had two of them for acting debut and supporting actress. The BAFTA nom for supporting actress, a Grammy nomination for album for motion picture, and a win from the National Board of Review for supporting actress. Um, Barbara Jean is a caricature of um, Lorena Lynn, the famous country singer. Mm. Um, she is, honestly, like Nashville is... Uh, a movie about a bunch of people. It's mm -hmm. it's a big ensemble. It's a big ensemble, but I honestly feel like this is Barbara Jean's movie. Oh, okay. If that makes sense. I mean, 
Ronnie does great here for uh-huh. a debut. She's one of the strongest debuts I've ever seen on film. Um, she reminds me a lot of Quvenzhané Wallace in *Beasts of the Southern Wild*. Where That's an interesting comparison. Because being a film debut, they mm-hmm. both of them made it like they were acting for years. Uh-huh. Um, oh, okay. They're so strong as a debut. It honestly probably is one of my favorite, if not my favorite debut of an actor of all time. Okay. Um, Barbara Jean, what I meant by this is kind of her movie is that everything kind of revolves and happens around what's happening with her. Oh yeah, in a way that's true. All the characters yeah. follow what's kind of happening around in Barbara Jean's life. Like the ripple effect of Barbara Jean in the movie fainting and going to the hospital then brings in her. The, the soldier and then that yeah. brings in, you know... All and this other... And, and it all revolves around her concert at the end. That's yes. what kind of what brings everyone together. Yeah. So she is natural. Okay. And I, 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 I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I love this. I think it's a great debut. I, um, I think my only complaint is something we talk about a lot with supporting is we just don't have enough of her. Mm-hmm. When we talked to Ronnie, she said pretty much all of her stuff was in there except for one scene didn't make it in. Yeah. Um, what was interesting is she said that that scene did make it into the television version, right? Yes. There was, a, there was a television version that aired that included that deleted scene. Television version. Right. Apparently it's lost. And, a, and I guess she, she said that there were some people who, when they watched that, the other parts of the movie made more sense. Yeah. Something about losing a baby. I think it was a hospital scene. A it was a scene when scene? she was in the hospital. Yeah. It, I want to see the scene. Yeah. Because <laughs> I want more of Ronnie Blakely. Um, Ronnie went on to be known to others as Marge from A Nightmare on Elm Street. That's probably what most people know her from, yeah. honestly. At least our generation of yeah. movie fans. I want more Ronnie Blakely. She's uh-huh. a great actress. And she needs to be cast in more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like her in this. What do you think? I do, too. What do, you, I, what do you think? I think she's wonderful. Uh, she has a real naturalism about her. Yeah. Like, it never feels to me like she's reciting lines. Mm-mm. Like, when she has that press conference in the beginning, when she gets off the plane and then subsequently faints, and yeah. when she's in the hospital and then... Later on, when she's at that concert, she keeps retelling these stories, yeah. and the band keeps trying to play, and the song starts, and she cuts them off and starts telling a new story, because mm-hmm. she's kind of maybe losing it a little bit. Yep. It feels so real. Yeah. Like, it, she doesn't feel like an actress who's going into this with a preset blueprint in her mind with all her beats and stuff. It feels like she's really going through it in the moment. Yeah. And I'm, I, I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's very natural. Um, my favorite thing of her from this movie is her husband, who's played by Alan Garfield. Okay. Um, the hospital scene where they're listening to Connie White on the radio and he's eating KFC in the corner and she's like clipping her toenails, I think, Mm. or maybe painting her fingernails, something with the nails. And she's like, turn that crap off. And he's like, I gotta listen to it, baby, because I have to go down and congratulate her. And she like calls him out, um... And she just goes into a breakdown. She's like, take her these flowers and these flowers and take her this. I'm getting the twang in her voice. Yeah. And take this. And then he like calms her down, but she's still like mentally not there. Mm-hmm. And the way she says bye, she's got this tear in her eye. She looks up to bye, mm-hmm. bye, And I'm like, I, I, my heart breaks every time. I like her in this. Yeah, I do too. A lot. Do you have anything else you want to add? Um, I have really nothing negative to say about her in this movie. I think this is a great performance. Even though, and I know we talked about the assassination scene, it's known as the assassination scene. Oh, sure. Do you think Barbara Jean is actually dead? If they were to revisit Nashville? Um, it's kind of funny. When I watch the movie, I do. Mm -hmm. I do think that she's dead. Thinking about it now, I think it's possible that she survives. But first, I've seen this movie maybe three times. Yeah. 
And I think I've just always interpreted the scene as she's dead. Yeah. But I'd be open to other people's interpretations. I'm always that person watching movies. You're not dead until it's confirmed. Like, okay. Kirby in Scream 4, played by Hayden Panettiere. Oh. We see her move mm-hmm. the whole time the camera's on her after she gets stabbed. And they never mention her. So I'm mm-hmm. like, if they're bringing Scream 5 in, like, you can bring back Kirby. That's maybe, fine with me. Maybe she'll be the killer in Scream 5. Come back yeah, for revenge. Unfortunately, she'll never do Scream 5. Oh. Um, That's too bad. All right. So, moving on. As much as I want... Oh, we need to... I can't wait till we get to a year with some horror. Um... Actually, another one because we already did The Exorcist. So, oh yeah, uh, the winner of this year in the next one was Lee Grant in Shampoo, um, where she played the character of Felicia. The only and this is weird, but this lineup is a little more weird because there's not a whole lot of precursors going on. Mm-hmm. But um, for the winning the Oscar that year, she only had the Golden Globe nomination for Best Supporting Actress, and this was Lee's third of four nominations um she was nominated in 1951 for detective story uh the landlord in 1970 which we already talked about and then she'll be nominated again in 1976 a year later after winning for shampoo for voyage of the damned um all in supporting by the way Mm -hmm. um so i don't i don't dislike her in this movie um i'm struggling to come up with some really great things to say because in a way she kind of blends in for me in this movie. Yeah. She doesn't stand out. No. And it's not that she's it's not that she's giving a bad performance. I also don't really care for this movie to be honest. No. I wasn't the biggest fan of it when I watched it. Mm-mm. I do like her in those scenes in like the the salon with Warren Beatty and then you know they have their little thing. Right. Um but this is also a Hal Ashby film. Yes. Let's note that. Yeah. Who she worked with on Landlord. The Landlord, which got her her second nomination in mm-hmm. her career. Outside of Coming Home, I don't really like Hal Ashby films. Oh, okay. no. Let me rephrase that. I love uh, Harold and Maude. Right. Harold and Maude is fucking fantastic. That's probably my favorite Hal Ashby film. Mm-hmm. I have an issue with Hal Ashby films in general. Okay. Like being there, I can't stand. I, uh-huh. I think of being there is one of the worst movies ever made, which we'll talk about in 1979. But, like, yeah, there's nothing that stands out about Shampoo to me. Not even, I mean, Jack Warden was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Um, even I, that feels kind of random to that's me. That's random. Yeah. I, is this supposed to be a comedy? Is this drama? Is Warren Beatty gay? Like, what is going on in this movie? Yeah, I wasn't sure, as a gay person watching this movie, if I should be offended. Like, I, would, I honestly didn't know. I was like, is Warren Beatty actually queer? Or is he a straight guy masquerading as this sort of quasi-effeminate dude to get with ladies. What is really going on here? And I wasn't really sure what to make of it. Yeah. The standout for me here is Carrie Fisher. Yeah, Carrie Fisher is wonderful. This is her debut. This is her debut. But getting back to Lee Grant, though, because we just started talking about Hal Ashby, is outside of the mascara running down her face with the wet hair where she's drinking a smoothie or whatever, mm-hmm. what does she have going here? Yeah. What does she have going here for a win? Yeah, so the, the nomination I'm fine with. The win baffles me a little bit, especially considering a few of the other people we have in this lineup. But, yeah, I don't really have all that much good stuff to say about her. Yeah. We also don't really have anything bad to say. She's just kind of there for me. She, she does her job. She... She kind of blends in. I think after talking last week with you with 1974 with Talia Shire, mm-hmm. she just 
you can, or no, I'm talking with um, Valley of Orion. Oh. You can't think of anything about this movie with her. I can't think of anything with the Grant with this one. Yeah, I just think Nothing about her. Up. I just think about her in the hair salon yeah. when she's having her like mini meltdown. It's not a good one. Yeah, it's not her best performance. Mm-mm. No, definitely not. No. Especially coming off of the landlord. Yeah. For this to be your follow up nomination, it's it's a little. Yeah, we, we both liked her in the landlord a lot. I loved her in the landlord. Yeah. All right. So after that, we had the queen of cameo Oscar <laughs> nominations, uh, Sylvia Miles, right. who played Jesse Halstead Florian in Farewell, My Lovely. Mm-hmm. I like this. Okay. I really like this. Uh-huh. Um, I like this more than I liked her in Midnight Cowboy. The movie is hard to get through because it's a little dull. Yeah. It has a very awesome young Charlotte Rampling in it. Charlotte Rampling is great Gorgeous. In this. And she's great in this. And Sylvester Stallone is in this. Yeah, like the... He has no lines, Yeah, like the thug guy. Yeah, the thug guy at the whorehouse. Yeah. Sylvia Miles, I really like here. She plays a drunk as well as Susan Terrell played a drunk. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm here for it. I bought it. You bought from one of my love... I bought... Oh, you bought that I didn't buy the movie. Oh, I bought okay. her in the scene. Yeah. Um, she's very, very small role in this. Mm-hmm. I think she's literally only in it for maybe exactly five minutes. She's in like two scenes, two and a half if you count the scene where she's found dead. Spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah. But her just drinking out of a paper bag. Okay. Do you watch horror movies? Yeah. Friday the 13th Part 5. Okay. Very specific here. Is the one where... It's the hillbilly mom and dad uh-huh. where she's making the stew and okay. she spits in it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I've, I've seen all of them, but I haven't seen that one in a while. She's time. like, shut up, Junior. Eat your stew. And she like spits in it. Anyway, her character looks like that woman. Okay. And I love it. Mm-hmm. So I really like Sylvia Miles in this. Um, I don't think she would have ever won. I don't think if you, this were to come out today, she could win. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it here, though. Yeah. I was digging it. Yeah. I There's not a moment where she was on screen where I wasn't bored with her. Because the rest of the movie I was kind of bored. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a dull movie. Like, yeah. if you're into, like, that whole film noir thing, it's up your alley. Yeah, I love film noir. I do, too, but this one's kind of strange. So it's, like, it doesn't feel like a neo-noir in the way that you would think of, like, Chinatown or some other of the, those noir films from the 70s. Yeah. This feels like a, a rehash of what was going on in the 40s, mm-hmm. but in the 70s, and yeah. not as interesting. Yeah, when I think of film noir, I think of, like... Mildred Pierce. Uh-huh. I love Mildred Pierce. Yeah. And then, like, we just talked about Chinatown. I didn't like Chinatown. Right. But then I think, like, Bugsy, mm-hmm. which is great. The film here lacks, but when she's on screen, it lights up. She has some of the liveliest scenes. Yeah, and it's really weird. Like, her nominations as an actress, because she was nominated once before for Midnight Cowboy in 1969, they're cameo roles. Mm-hmm. They're, and, like, the supportingest of supporting. <laughs> and, yeah, and she got nominations for both with no precursors mm-hmm. so i want to know what type of campaign was going on for where her. people just liked her yeah and she's i actually got yelled at by sylvia miles yeah i okay so i gotta tell this story really quick um i happened to come across sylvia miles's phone number right you probably shouldn't say where because we don't want her getting yeah. phone calls um and a no role i gave it away obviously but i have sylvia miles's phone number because you, you were approached her to do an interview. We were approached her to do an interview for this podcast. And <laughs> called... She's the only one that didn't that doesn't have rep that I wasn't able to like email. Like yeah. There are some actors who I've contacted to do this interview for the podcast who don't have rep anymore because they don't act. Sylvia Miles just has a phone number. Mm-hmm. And I got the phone number, so I, I had to call her. I cold called Sylvia Miles. 
But you thought it was like going to be an agent. I thought it was going to be somebody. I yeah. didn't know it was directly to Sylvia Miles. And the way she answered the phone was, hello? I'm like, hello? Yeah, what number are you reaching? And, and she just yelled at me. And I'm like, I'm trying to reach Sylvia Miles. Why? What do you need? And I'm just like, oh, okay, never mind. And I got scared. <laughs> like, she yelled. And I'm just like, okay, I'm sorry, Sylvia. Um, if you could nominate a phone call for an Oscar. That was it. That <laughs> small little call. So I can I can say that I have never met Sylvia Miles, but I've been yelled at by Sylvia Miles. And it was fantastic. <laughs> Um, all right, moving on. Millie Tomlin uh, as Linnea Reese in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So we have two Nashville ladies yes. here. Um, this was also Lily Tomlin's film debut. Um, going into Oscar night, she had two Golden Globes uh, nominations like Ronnie Blakely in Supporting Actress and Acting Debut. She had the nomination for the BAFTA, but for Most Promising Newcomer, not Supporting Actress. But she went in with a win from the New York Film's Critics Circle for Best Supporting. Um... You start on this one. I want to hear what you say okay. first. Okay. So I really like Lily Tomlin mm-hmm. in general and also in this movie. Mm-hmm. So I've seen this movie a few times. And I think every time I've gone to watch it, it's been long enough that I don't remember a lot of it mm-hmm. from before. So it's it feels new. Mm-hmm. But whenever I do go to revisit it, what I think of is that scene where she's listening to the Tom character singing I'm Easy. Chris Christopherson. Yes. Yeah. Where he's... Er, was it Keith Car- was oh, it Carradine? Keith Carradine, yeah, yes. I'm sorry. Um, where she's sitting in the, the nightclub just listening to him. With the wine glass, it's not filled I, with wine. Yeah. yeah. There's something, there's like a look in her eye that is so haunting yeah. and so relatable. Yeah. Her performance in this movie is maybe the quietest. Mm-hmm. This is a movie of loud people. Like this is a there's a lot of big personalities in this movie. Yeah. And she probably has like the most restrained character. She's the most reserved. It's yeah, it's almost like it's like a master class in subtlety. Yeah. Lily Tomlin's performance. It's like a very minimalistic approach mm-hmm. that feels very genuine. Well, it's also quiet too, because she she signs in this movie because yeah. she has two deaf children and her husband, Ned Ned Beatty. Mm-hmm doesn't really have time for it. Yeah. So she's playing... She's got a lot on her shoulders. It's another 1970s father who's over it. Yeah. I mean, she's she's in a loveless marriage. Yeah. She is a church singer, recording artist. Yes. Yeah. She's a gospel singer. Gospel singer, thank you. I couldn't think of the word there. Um, she is having an affair. Yeah. That she doesn't want, but she wants. Mm-hmm. While raising two deaf children in the mid-70s. Yeah. There's a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I, I, I like this. I don't love it. Okay. Because I think of the women of Nashville. You could have filled up this entire category with the women of Nashville. The Globes did. The Globes did. Barbara Baxley, Barbara Harris, Ronnie Blakely. Um, Chaplin. Geraldine Chaplin, Chaplin. Karen Black. Karen Black. Karen Black. Karen will always come into these conversations. The, the Karen Black stand club. This is That's the... what we're calling this podcast now. <laughs> I'm here for it. You go, Karen. Um, You could have done it. And I think... Do I think she's the strongest of Nashville? No. Mm -hmm. Do I see why she's nominated? Yes. Can I see why she can win this? Absolutely. Yeah. But there are stronger Nashville women. Mm -hmm. In different ways. In different ways. Yeah. Being the most reserved sometimes sometimes is the best. 
because she does so much facial and yeah. body acting here. Mm-hmm. She conveys so much when mm-hmm. she's just listening. She's good. Like that scene when he's when she's listening to him sing that song. Yeah. Like she, she tells a story with just her face, and she doesn't say a damn word in that scene. Nope. Ready to move on? Okay. All right. I love Lily. Lily should have. Lily should have more than one nomination. Oh yeah, yeah. Grandma, nine to five, big mm-hmm. business. Late show. Late show. Oh god, yes. So going into this last one, this is an odd nomination because the movie is hated so much. Oh my god. <laughs> Brenda Vaccaro in Jacqueline Suzanne's Once Is Not Enough. She plays Linda Riggs, who she won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting yeah. Actress. So she went into this in a way kind of the front runner. Or she was at least in the conversation. She was in the conversation, yeah. But she was also dating Michael Douglas at this time. Right. So let's just talk about this for a second. So Jacqueline Suzanne is a novelist, mm-hmm. or was, yeah, whose first film was such a laughable bomb, Valley of the Dolls, but it's iconic. It became a cult classic. It's a cult classic that also spawned a sequel and, and a TV show. And that book still sells to this like day. crazy. That book is nowhere in comparison to Topic, but is in comparison to how much of a strong fan base uh, to Lee Harper's To Kill a Mockingbird. In terms of sales in terms and of obsession? Sales and obsession, absolutely. Like, like when I'm not working on like movies and shit, I work in a bookstore, mm-hmm. that book sells. Like, it's oh, yeah. crazy. Oh, yeah. But the movie didn't result no. when it first came out to no. be this big hit. Like they planned, like they planned it to be this fucking massive hit, mm-hmm. and it was laughed off screens. Yeah. So for them to then have the cojones to pick up another rights to you know more rights to her books, and for it to be once is not enough. Yeah. What the fuck? So I don't know. I have a couple ideas about that. I don't know if maybe the book of Once Is Not Enough was also a huge seller. Yeah. And so they were just cashing in on another big seller regardless of whether or not the previous one bombed. Or if it was contract. Or, exactly. Or if when they bought The Valley of the Dolls, they also bought other books. Yeah. Because that's how the movie The Queen of the Damned happened. Yeah. Because when Anne Rice sold the rights to Interview with a Vampire, she also sold the rights to like the pre- the next like three books. And so that's how that movie got made. Because Warner Brothers, or whoever it was, still had the rights and they had a finite time to make it and they just did it. I've never seen Interview, but I've seen Queen of the Damned. Okay. And I love Queen of the Damned, because I love Aaliyah. Uh-huh. It's a terrible movie, but I love Aaliyah. Yeah. Anyway. So, those are my two theories as to how this movie possibly happened, because this yeah. movie is garbage. It's it's like a sex movie, if that's the term I want to use. It's it a makes, sexual revolution movie. I don't know how to put... And yet it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Because the... I can't remember her name. The main young lady. She and the Kirk Douglas character have... And the they're, they're father and daughter, and they have the weirdest sexual chemistry that makes me feel disgusting. So the character's name is Deidre, uh-huh. played by Alexis Smith. And it's awkward. Right? I, I thought that no. Alexis Smith is, uh, no. is Kurt Douglas' girlfriend. Yeah, the, the I lied. But, um, January. Yeah. Played by Deborah yes. Rafflin. Because she was conceived in January. Yes. I believe that was the that explanation was given for why she was named that. Yeah. Yeah, so she and the Kurt Douglas character, and again, he plays her father. Yeah. They have a weird thing going on, and she is, like, constantly telling people how, like, sexually attractive and handsome her father is. And it's... Weird. It's odd. So I just found out the film Sourcebook was once the number two best-selling novel in the USA in 1973. Well, there you go. That had to do with it. So Brenda Vaccaro's character, though, is... Yes. A... 
publisher. Yeah. She's like head honcho. Mm-hmm. And you're introduced to her kind of in a whirlwind. And she comes, I don't say, well, I don't want to say she comes in early, but she doesn't come in late either. She's kind of like right in the middle. Like half hour yeah. ish into the movie. And you're introduced, she's like, I got my tits done, got my got my nose done, the, oh, I slept my way to the top, and she's proud of it. Like, yeah. she's, she's into it. I guess she's the best thing about this movie. She, she is the best thing. Uh, yeah. To me, she is. I love her character. I love the way she plays her. Yeah. The nomination, I get. I totally get the nomination for the performance. The yeah. movie is awful. Yeah. But the performance is great. The performance, I get a nomination, but even talking about the Globes... Winning with yeah. the Nashville ladies? Uh-huh. What the fuck? <laughs> they must have all, like, split the vote, the Nashville they ladies. They had to have. They must have, like, split and down I the line. I don't believe in split, vote splitting because there are enough instances throughout the Academy's history where they had performances in one one over the other. Well, yeah. But I also get the argument of when there's multiple. Because the, the Globe nominated four yeah. of the Nashville ladies. Yeah. So. Insane. Yeah. I, I cannot wait for the day where a movie takes the entire category. That'd be wild. That'd be insane. The closest we ever got were The Godfathers mm-hmm. for, the, for the supporting oh, yeah. actor categories. But, I, I, I also think this is a really great role for the 70s. Yeah. For, like, feminist yeah. reasons. Um, it's kind of funny. Going through these movies from the 70s, a lot of movies bring up women's lib. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just watching Kramer versus Kramer the other day, and, like, Dustin Hoffman's character just randomly goes just mentions women's lib with a bit of a scoff. Yeah. Like, it happened in Cinderella Liberty, and there's a few other movies where, like, women's lib is just kind of thrown around by a male character as a way to dismiss it. Yeah. And then you get a performance like this. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Like I said, I get it, where, where this nomination's coming from. The movie was just such shit that mm-hmm. you can't help but be like, really? When it comes to Oscar nominations? But it's one of those random nominations that came out of a shit movie, and... Maybe get a chance to win. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's got a chance to win, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're one out of five. If you're on the ballot, you got a chance to win. If you're on the ballot, you have a fucking chance to win for sure. I'm not on the ballot. You're not on the ballot. No. We can't fucking win. Not, <laughs> she had a chance not to win. this year. Right. Every year when the nominations come out, I'm like, well, guess there's always next year. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't nominated, damn it. I feel like, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, the mom, she's on Shit's Creek. Oh, um, Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara in For Your, For Your Consideration, uh-huh. which she plays the actress I've ever seen. I think we talked about it. Oh, actually. yeah, yeah. She's like, I'm not nominated. Really, that's me every year. Anyway, lead actress. Shall we move on? Okay, so we're moving into lead actress. And the nominees were... Isabella Gianni in the story of Adele H. Anne Margaret in Tommy. Louise Fletcher in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Glenda Jackson in Hedda. Carol Kane in Hester Street. Okay, so let's start off with our winner from the year, uh, Louise Fletcher in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh This is her first and only win and nomination. And um, aside from the Oscars, she had the Golden Globe win for drama, she won the BAFTA, and she was nominated um, at the New York Film Critics Circle Awards. Uh-huh. In One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Louise Fletcher plays Nurse Ratched, who runs a ward for mentally unstable men. She's strict and cold, and she uh, acts as the antagonist for Jack Nicholson's character, McMurphy, 
She's also a bit manipulative and abusive toward the men in her ward. Yeah. So, thoughts on Louise Fletcher? I, I like this. Mm-hmm. I don't like this win. Yeah. Some people argue that this could be supporting. It rides the line. It rides the line, but I still would put her in lead. Okay. Because, even though we've talked about this, if she's supporting, who's the lead? And you made a great case on this before. I don't think there needs to be one. Right. Yeah. And then we think about Karen Black and find these yeah. pieces, you know what I mean? Um, I wonder, though, what could have been. Because Ellen Burstyn was supposed to play this role. Right. And then the person who did play, get cast for this was Lily Tomlin. Uh-huh. And Louise Fletcher got the role of Linnea in Nashville, and they ended up switching, which I want to know the story about how that happens. Uh-huh. It's good. It's iconic. It's definitely an iconic role. Everyone knows Nurse Ratchet. Whether they've seen the movie or not, they know who that character is. But I think I wanted more from Louise. I did too. I wanted more ruthlessness. I wanted... She plays the character subtly, mm-hmm. but diabolical. Yeah. And when I want diabolical, I want like... That big fucking smirk. I want that... That you know I'm gonna fuck your shit up. I... A sneaky diabolical, I'm not a huge fan of. I wanted more dimension to her character. Like, I wanted to see different sides of mm-hmm. Nurse Ratched. We only really see her in scenes with McMurphy. Yeah. Where he's kind of challenging her. And she subsequently will punish him. Or yeah. his friends there in um, the ward. And she has... Something she does have going for her which is something similar that Anthony Hopkins has in Silence of the Lambs, is when she's not on screen, she's talked about. Yeah. She has a presence. Yeah. Throughout the movie, whether she's there or not, the characters either feel her near them or they're talking about her, and you never forget her. Yeah. Whether she's there or not. And maybe that contributed to her win? Possibly? Yeah. I mean, when I think of this role, though, too, the most iconic Nurse Ratched moment for me is actually where she's not even talking. It's mm-hmm. when she finds Billy the Stuttering Kid, played by Brad Dorif, mm-hmm. dead. Yeah. And McMurphy, played by Nicholson, chokes the bitch out. Yeah. And it's her eyes, it's her expression. I want to know when they film this if they were actually choking her out because mm-hmm. she does that so goddamn well. Like, it's almost like she had experience of being choked out, uh-huh. which is kind of scary. But it's... It's such a strong scene for me, and that if I were to like be like, okay, this is why she won the award, I would argue that that was that moment. Okay. Not anything else. Mm-hmm. It was the realism of her being assaulted. And it's not like the climax of the movie. It's at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a scene that you leave thinking about. And then like her last scene though after that is kind of comedic because it's like she's got this big old like neck brace oh, on yeah. and she's like, I don't, I'll just make up a nickname. She's like, Mister. <laughs> Mr. Red, take your pills. And mm-hmm. like she's like trying to look and it's kind of comedic. Like she's trying to go back to normal. Yeah. And you take you look at her and you're like, this isn't normal. Yeah. You're like, fuck that. But yeah, so I mean that's that's nurse ratchet for me. Yeah. So moving on to mm-hmm. Isabel Anjani. Am I saying that correctly? Isabel Anjani, yes. For the story of yes. Adele H. This is her first of two nominations. Mm-hmm. She won at the National Board of Review. She won at the National Society of Film Critics. 
She won at the New York Film Critics Circle, and she won a slew of festival awards mm -hmm. going into this. So she was kind of the critics and festival darling going into this award season. She was the Tony Collette of that year. Pretty much, yeah. Only she got the nomination. <laughs> um, so she, in this movie, she plays Adele Hugo, the daughter of the novelist Victor Hugo. Mm -hmm. And when she arrives in Halifax, Canada, she starts going to... Um, Oh, she starts going by the alias Miss Lully, and she has come to Miss Hal she has come to Halifax to pursue Lieutenant Pinson, a naval officer who wants nothing to do with her, but she's obsessed with him. And as he continues to make it clear that he is not interested, her obsession grows and becomes pretty self-destructive. Yeah. So thoughts on Isabelle. Magnifique. Uh -huh. I fucking love Isabella Johnny in this movie. She she was nineteen when. This nomination. Yeah, she was, she was super, super young. young. And she was the first actress of French, or she was the first French actress to ever get two nominations. And that record was broken when Marion Cotillard mm -hmm. got two days for one night after La Vie en Rose. Yes. Um, but, and she's great in this. She didn't stand a snowball's chance in fucking hell because the Academy at that time only had rewarded Sophia Loren uh, mm -hmm. as the only actor to ever win for a foreign performance. Um, but I think she's great. Yeah, I do too. I think she's really good. Um, her homeless scenes really take me back a little mm -hmm. bit uh, because she Adele Hugo was so crazy. Yeah, in she real life. lost it. She she lost it. So um, she's, she's got this weird obsession with this um, with this man, and it drives her over the edge. It, it's kind of like fatal attraction, but without the insane murder. Yeah, she doesn't like come for him or yeah. his family. She's just obsessed with And them. she's compulsively lying to her family by like, yeah. we're married, we're living, send money, like yada, yada, right. yada. And then her family's like, bitch, where are the receipts for this? And then word gets back to them that she's lying and yeah. they cut her off and, and she, she becomes destitute. Yeah. And she flees and it's... He, he leaves because he leaves Canada and goes to like Barbados or the Bahamas. Yes. And, and that's what I mean by her homeless scenes. Because remember, she's walking through yes. and, all, and she's got this raggy ass dress. And all the kids are following her. It's really good. It's yeah. a really good movie. It's a really good performance. It's hard to find, though. Yeah. It's not easy to find. Uh-huh. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. I think you put it pretty well. Like it, it's like a more realistic fatal attraction. Yeah. Like, fatal attraction kind of takes it over the edge. Yeah. And that's part of the fun of the movie. Yeah. But um, this felt really real. No. Like, girl was obsessed with this dude and he who wanted nothing to do with her and he makes that clear yeah. like he makes that clear in a couple points in the movie where he's like leave me alone it's like bitch bye and she just won't have it yeah. and she keeps pursuing and she keeps lying to everyone around her mm -hmm. and it, dri it literally drives her insane yeah it's a good one yeah i like it i like isabella johnny though i love french film mm -hmm. um some of my favorite performances have come from french actresses mm -hmm. isabella johnny isabella Huppert. Yep. Marion Cotillard, Anokami, um, Genevieve Bougeau, I don't know, I think she's French-Canadian. Um, the French do it really well. Uh -huh. so. Yeah, they do. All right. Okay, uh, moving on to Anne-Margaret and Tommy. This is her second of two nominations. She was previously nominated for Carnal Knowledge in 1971. Uh, going into this Oscar, she won the Golden Globe for Comedy Musical. And in Tommy, Anne-Margaret plays Nora Walker, the mother of Tommy. Um... Let's, oh, I lost my place here. So Tommy's father slash Nora's husband was a fighter pilot who they are told died in combat. And uh, when Tommy gets emotionally traumatized later on in the movie, it sort of manifests as some physical disabilities. 
and Nora tries throughout the film to shake her son of his um, psychosomatic condition until he eventually becomes a pinball wizard or something like that. So thoughts on Anne Margaret? <laughs> First of all, trying to explain Tommy is really hard. Yeah. It, the whole movie itself is literally a musical. There's not one spoken word of dialogue. It's like a psychedelic musical. Yes. With that said, I love The Who. Mm-hmm. I love the music of The Who. This is one of the worst nominations ever in this category. Uh-huh. What the fuck was were they thinking? I think you have, might feel different about this one. I... What? So... The beans? Iconic. Rolling around in some beans and foam well, does not equal a nomination. With like the white pillow, yeah. the phallic... The humping the, of the, the pillow. The white phallic pillow that she's like literally riding... So I don't, I'm a baffled too. I was entertained. Oh yeah. I was like, I was, I was watching the TV while this performance was happening. Yeah. But as far as Oscar nominations go, the, the Academy was smoking something. Yeah. Maybe they were feeling what Tom, what Tommy was putting out. Yeah. But this is a strange nomination. We had mentioned this in 74. This is one of the weakest lineups in academy history mm-hmm. um it's known for being a very weak lineup for lead actors. there's a few standouts but as a whole this both lineups are really weak. i would honestly argue this for being a really weak lineup to 1997 mm-hmm. and definitely 2014 mm. those i think are the three weakest lineups in my personal opinion yeah this takes the cake though yeah this nomination baffles me it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. I, I don't... I mean, Anne Margaret was clearly living. She was having a good time, I felt. Maybe you know some backstory I don't, but I was watching this thinking... I was just about to mention that, too. Yeah. So I was like, while I'm watching it, I believe that she was in it. Yeah. Maybe she wasn't. Maybe there's some stuff I don't know, but I was entertained by what she was doing. And this is the follow-up to her nomination for Carnal Knowledge. Right. No. <laughs> I don't, I don't want it. I, uh-huh. I'm not having and it. And this was her last nomination. The uh, last I mean, time she appeared at the Oscars as a nominee was for this. Yeah. Um, things that I do like about Tommy, though. I mean, I like Tom, I own Tommy. I right. gave you my copy of yes. Tommy to watch. Um, I think Tina Turner should have gotten a supporting actress nomination. I have that in my notes. Do Tina, you really? Yeah, Tina Turner should have been nominated in supporting for this. Oh, 100%. She, um, she has the best song in the movie. She has the best song. It's the most entertaining. Um, she's great, but... Any, uh, there's a lot of movies. Jack Nicholson has a cameo in this. If yes, you're it does. A, if you're a lead actress in a Jack Nicholson movie, you'll most likely get nominated. Think mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Chinatown. This as good as it gets. About Schmidt. About Sh- no. Well, she was really. supporting. Well, supporting. But um, like if you're yeah if you're uh, Ironweed. Yeah. I mean, you have a really good shot at getting a nomination. Reds. Reds. Did you say Reds? I didn't say Reds. I mean, he's a supporting character in that, but Diane Keaton was still nominated. Yeah. I mean, it's be with Jack. And you'll, oh, Terms of Endearment. Yeah. There were two for that one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I'll pass. Yeah. <laughs> Good. So, uh, moving on? Yeah. So it. next we have Glenda Jackson for Hedda. Mm-hmm. This is her fourth of four nominations. Uh, she's her last. Yeah, her last one. She was having a great early 70s. Yeah. Um, she was previously nominated for Women in Love in 1970, which she also won for. Sunday, Bloody Sunday in 1971. A 
in the Touch of Class in 1973, which she also won for. Mm -hmm. uh, going into this, she was nominated for the Golden Globe for Drama, and in Hedda, Glenda, Glenda Jackson plays Hedda, the formidable and bewitching wife of a scholar, and she is thoroughly bored with her marriage and her station in life, and things get a little interesting when Hedda's former lover returns, and her lover is also a bit of a rival for her husband, of her husband's, and uh, they're in a bit of a professional and creative battle, I guess you could say. And what begins to play out is a series of cat and mouse and of deception. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain. Yeah. There's a lot of mind games going on in this movie. This is the perfect example of what we talked about before that works better as a play. Okay. Hedda, the film, which is stupid hard to find. Yeah, it is. I've only ever found it on VHS. I, I had to like order it from a library way down south. Like it was yeah. the only way I ever found it. Um, this feels like a film play. Mm. This is also a movie where you so much happens, but nothing's happening. And what I mean by so much happens is that there's a lot of conversation. When you realize what feels like you've been watching a movie for an hour, you're only half an hour into. Okay. That's Hedda. With that said, I really like this. Yeah. I like Linda Jackson's movie. She is a sassy bitch. She's great. She is. This is the diabolical that I wanted for... Louise Fletcher. Louise Fletcher. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. more facets to Hedda than there yeah. are to Nurse Ratchet. Yeah. Like, there's more dimension to her, and when the movie's over, you have a better sense of who Hedda is than you do of who Nurse Ratchet is. I could have seen Glenda Jackson play Nurse Ratchet. I could, too. That'd be a good one for That would have been a good one. She would have she would have killed that role. Yeah. Uh, oh, god damn. Now I'm thinking of it. Yeah. Because I'm thinking of how good she is as Hedda. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to go back in time and yeah. recast this. Uh, so I actually really like this movie. I like it. I'm, I like the movie. I like the performance. I come from a theater background. Mm -hmm. I've Same. studied Ibsen. So I knew what this movie was about before going into it. I had mm -hmm. just never seen it before because, like you said, it is impossible to find. It's really hard. Um... I think she's amazing. And I love that scene where she's burning her lover's manuscript. And her lover's played by Patrick Stewart, yeah. which I didn't know His until like, yeah. yeah. And she's putting the pages in the fire. And I can't, what's her line? She's like, she's going like, I'm burning your baby. Yeah. I'm going to burn all of your baby. And I was like, bitch. And this was the manuscript that he was like, this is what makes me an actual writer now. Right. So like her, so her former lover played by Patrick Stewart and her current husband, I think his name is George. They have like a rivalry going on. Yeah. They're like rival writers, scholars. I think they're going for like the same position at a university. Yeah. And this manuscript is like his life. Yeah. And he needs this to basically succeed in life. And she takes his manuscript and literally burns it and calls it his baby. And she yeah. is so evil She's while doing so it. so evil. And what stuck out for me, the moment I knew that I liked her in this, and the moment that I was like, I'm into this, was kind of right in the beginning where... I think it's her husband's aunt comes over and puts her hat down and in front of her she's like, you need to fire the help. Look at this shitty ass hat. That like These aren't the words that she uses. but Hipson didn't say shitty ass. Right. But look at this shitty ass hat that's around and he's like, oh, that's Aunt Clarice's or whatever her name is. And she's like, oh, this is your hat. Hmm. And like gives her this look. Uh -huh. I was like, bitch, I am living for you. Like, Hedda, Glenda Jackson Hedda needs to be a gay icon. Hedda, the character of Hedda is considered like one of the top theater performances of all time. Yeah. Like, when you rank, like, best theater performances, especially classical theater, yeah. Hedda's, like, always at the top of the list. So, Glenda Jackson famously never showed up to the Oscars when she was nominated. She only ever showed up once to give Art Carney his Oscar. Mm -hmm. And after, surprisingly, winning for A Touch of Class, so she, she had, had two, two Oscars. Oscars at that point. 
they honestly thought that she was going to win. So, especially in the 70s, this was stupid expensive. They sent a camera crew with satellite, well, I don't know if it was called satellite back then, but to England to have her accept on camera. Oh, wow. And that's how much the Academy thought that she was going to win this. Hmm. Because Glenda Jackson is going to pull another win. She was having a hell of a 70s. And it's weird, though, because this was, the, this was also the last time that she was able to vote because she let her... She never paid her Academy dues. I do know this. So she didn't... This was the, the last year she was a, a, a voting member. Yeah. So last nomination, last voting member. She almost got in a couple years later for Stevie. I think that was in 78. But um, but yeah, this was the last we'd ever see of her until she does something maybe in the next couple of years. I so badly want her to come back to movies and give a career best performance. Well, she just won a Tony. Yeah. So if they do three women or three tall women. Three tall women. In, as She could easily come back to this. Yeah. I hope so. I'm not familiar with that play, but I'd, I'd be into it. It's Edward Albee. Yeah. And Laurie Metcalf was her co-star on Broadway. Yeah. And she's coming back to Broadway this spring. Is she? Um, she just did... Wait, Laurie or Glenda? Um, Glenda. Okay. Glenda did a production of King Lear in London last yeah. year that they're remounting on Broadway this spring, oh. which is like Tony season. She's going to get another Tony. So she's at least going to get a nomination. I'm. It'd be crazy if she doesn't. Yeah. But I so badly want her to come back, give a career best performance in her 80s, and win her third Oscar. Yeah, that would to. be amazing. She needs to. We lost her to Parliament for like 20 years. Which is good for her. You want to get involved in politics? I get it. Look Do at your the, look civic at, duty. Look at the fucking situation the, the United States are in right now. Yeah. I'm like, fuck yeah. Do what you got to do. Save your country. But like, mm. Oh, Glenda. Oh, Glenda. Hey, this is going to be an interesting lineup when we rank things. That's yeah. for sure. So uh, moving on to... Carol Kane for Hester Street. Mm -hmm. This is her first and only nomination, and she didn't really have any precursors going into this. Mm -hmm. So, um, do you know how to pronounce her character's name? Is it Gietel? Uh, Gietel. Gietel. So, Carol Kane plays Gietel uh, she, um, three years earlier at the, from the start of the movie. Her husband, who now, go, who now goes by the name Jake, emigrated to America, and now he's bringing her and their son over from Russia. Jake has been assimilating to American culture, which is why he's sort of changed his name. And he steadily tries to strip Gietel of her Jewish heritage and tries to get her to assimilate to American culture too. And he wants to change their son's name. And uh, she's basically trying to navigate her way through this marriage of her husband trying to change everything about her yeah. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So thoughts on Carol Kane? I love this performance. I love... Hester Street, I love Carol Kane, and I love this nomination. Um, unfortunately, she had no chance to win this. Yeah. Um, a couple things. Number one, it is it was a small, independent, black and white film. Yes. It was made for $300,000. She doesn't show up and do it for like a good 40 minutes. Yeah, well, it's it's like half an hour. Is it half? It's I didn't write down was, the exact time, but it's like... There's I like, it was closer to the hour. There's at least... 20 minutes that she's it's not jake's in. story really up the, until that point for the first act of the movie yeah. it's all jake so that more than three-fourths of the movie she's speaking in yiddish it's, subtitled. Yeah. it's yiddish yeah most of her dialogue is subtitled yeah and she was an unknown at that time she yeah no one knew who she was a couple years later she'd pop up in annie hall yeah but no one knew who she was i think she had she had an uncredited or unspeaking role in carnal knowledge Mm -hmm. And she played a whore in the last, the or not the last station, but um, the Jack Nicholson. The last detail. Last detail, thank you. Um, but she's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 this role is heartbreaking. Yeah. Especially when, she, so she's fighting the entire time to keep her Jewish roots there. Mm -hmm. 
and her husband is fighting to assimilate the American lifestyle. Yeah. Into her everyday. And it's sad because she wants to she wants to be American. And the, the, her son ends up being named Joey. Yeah, her husband just decides. Like, he's, like, he's like, your name's Joey now. Yeah, your name's Joey. I don't remember if he tries to change her name. Uh, but no. he tries to change the way she dresses. Right, well that's where I'm going with this. Is that there's this scene where she finally decides to be American. Yeah. And bring out her natural hair. And her husband finally sees her. And he loses his shit. Mm-hmm. And he starts beating her and grabbing her hair, and she's fighting back, and the, the, her crying. It's 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 so heartbreaking because finally, what he wanted is there, but he can't even handle it. Yeah. Everything that he fought to break her on, he now wants to push back in a closet. Yeah. And she is so good. Like he gets what he wants, and then he can't handle it. Yeah. Um, I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Yeah. I wish there was more of her. Yeah. Like I wish the movie had been told. From her point of view the entire time. Because yeah. there was actually a time when I was like 20 minutes into the movie and I was like, am I watching the right movie? Yeah. Because I didn't, I was like, where's Carol Kane? Yeah. And then he shows up at like the immigration office or whatever it was to get her yeah. and their son. And she yeah. runs at the gate. Yeah. And yeah. Her, but her head is mostly covered because of their traditional yeah. um, outfits. And I was like, is that her? I can't yeah. tell. Is that her? And because like for the longest time, I didn't know if I was honestly watching the right movie. Yeah. But um, so I wish there was more of her. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because Carol looks like a very young Meryl Streep. When they were younger, yeah. they had a lot alike. They kind of do. And it's unfortunate. Like, there's... Everyone knows if you're in the age bracket of Meryl Streep after a certain point, you were never the first choice. And that's that's yeah. just known. Carol got the nomination a couple years before Meryl. And then kind of, like, got stuck to TV because everything went to Meryl Streep. And I'm not saying Meryl Streep yeah. is a bad person for that. Meryl Streep's a great actress. Right. Love her. But I wish I, I think back at these big roles that Carol could have done, mm-hmm. and I was I would always wonder kind of what if, yeah. Um, because Carol went to be known for she won a two Emmys for Taxi, um, and then now she's on Kimmy Princess, Schmidt. Kimmy Schmidt which just ended. Princess so. Bride, Scrooge. I mean, she made oh, her right. mark in yeah. these films. So. Um, when a stranger calls. When a stranger calls. When a stranger calls back. back. Yes. <laughs> Best sequel title ever. Oh, Jesus, but I like her. I like her. What do you want? Anything you want to add? Um, I don't really have any complaints about her performance. I just wish there was more of her. I wish I wish the movie had done her a little more justice. Right category? The, I'd say she's lead. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say she's lead. She definitely she comes in later, but once she's there, she's there. Yeah. And the main conflict once she is there is her. Yeah. Because her husband's constantly trying to change her, and she's trying to obey her husband because that's a traditional thing, but she also doesn't want to be stripped of her background and her religion and everything that she knows. And yet she also wants to be American. She has a lot of internal conflicts going on. It just takes a while for her to get there. And this movie takes place in like the 19-teens. Yeah, it's like turn of the century. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, she gets divorced and she wins $200. And the dude's like, you're a very rich lady right now. And I'm like, bitch! Like $200 in New York City back then? Really, how far did that go? Do you also remember when they do get officially divorced? The rabbi or whoever it is that divorces them says that by... By religious standards, she has to wait 60 days to remarry, but her husband can remarry tomorrow. Well, that's sexism for you. I know, but I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Heard. Yeah. Heard that. I see you. Yeah. Uh, shall we get to the rankings? Uh, sure. All right. So, going into supporting actress. You. My fifth yeah. spot 
goes to Lily Tomlin. Okay. Lily Tomlin in Nashville. Just for the fact that there were so many more performances you could have nominated in there. In this lineup, and this is this is where I might get some flack. I don't think she's the weakest in the lineup, but mm-hmm. I'm putting her fifth because she doesn't have anything to do really. Okay. Outside of an internal conflict. And I need more. Mm-hmm. And that's not her fault. Okay. So she's my five. Okay. Does that make sense? I, I hear what you're saying. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm Lily Tomlin goes fifth, fifth spot for me. Okay. My number five is going to be Lee Grant, who's the winner of the year. Mm-hmm. Because she kind of blends in for me. She doesn't stand out in any way. And I'm also just not a huge fan of the movie. Yeah. And maybe this is bad, but if I'm not a fan of the movie, it's going to be hard for me to be an advocate for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's bad. But No, it's not, because we, we, we've done that before. Right. Yeah. For we at least, did it in 74. Uh, yeah. So, so Lee Grant is my five for the year. Which Lee Grant is my four. Okay. Um, the only thing she has above... Lily here for me is that scene that I mentioned where she's getting like her haircut drinking the smoothie yeah. by because there there is a breakdown of Felicia but the reason she's not five though again is because Lily is internal so she's doing a lot of acting on the inside and mm-hmm. I just I can't award something for that okay it's great I don't hate it and again I think Lee is the weakest of the lineup, but she beats Lily for that reason because she actually has something to do for me. Mm. Okay. Controversial. I hear you. But how about you? I'm on my number four, right? Uh, correct. I lost my spot. So I'm giving my number four to Sylvia Miles. Okay. Love her in the two scenes that she's in, but I kind of want more. Okay. Um, she's great in the two scenes, but I don't know if she's, besides maybe making the movie a little bit better Mm -hmm. i don't know if she's doing all that much to help the narrative if Mm -hmm. that makes sense Mm -hmm. she definitely came in at times where i needed her to come in because that movie is a bit of a drag yeah like i'm a fan of film noir but that movie was kind of a drag for me yeah um and yeah she's she's in a couple scenes not that you can't win for only being in a small amount of the film but yeah we'll get to her next year (laughs) um but i just needed more from her i feel like the rest of the lineup is has more opportunities than mm-hmm. what she is given. And so she's my four. I love that she's nominated for this, but she's my four. When I tell you my third spot, I feel like you're going to be like, wait, your final two are who? Mm-hmm. My third spot goes to Brenda Vaccaro. Okay. Um, movie's terrible. But she's such a fireball that, I again, I see why she was nominated. Mm-hmm. She's, she's there. She's... She's loud. She's queer. She's not going anywhere. Like I, I like it. She's feisty. She's that feminist role that we needed in this horrible movie. Yeah. I see the nomination. I wouldn't give her the win though. She's also my number three. Okay. Uh, Brenda Vaccaro. So love her in the movie. She's the only thing I like about the movie. I, I think she's great in it. She does a great job with what she's given. The movie's garbage. Yeah. Um, but I love every scene that she's in. She's the best thing about it. Mm-hmm. Love that she's nominated. Not because I love the movie, but because she truly is great on her own. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's my three. Well, that leaves the Nashville ladies for you. Yeah, I have and the that, two Nashville ladies left. And that leaves Ronnie Blakely for me and Sylvia Miles. Right. Yeah. All right. So my number two is... Sylvia Miles, okay. which means I would give the Oscar to Ronnie Blakely, right. which we'll get to here in a second. So starting with Sylvia, um, 
I loved her in this. Like, I, I she plays the drunk really, really well. It, it's small, yes, but she made such an impression on me that I just wanted her... I, I wanted more of her, but when she was on screen, she was the best part of that movie. Mm -hmm. um, I like her in this. I, I think she's loud and brass and obnoxious, and I'm here for it. Um, yeah, I think I think if Ronnie wasn't here, she would have won for me. Yeah. Um, she like I said, it's small, but she made an impression, and I'm and if you do it well, if you make an impression on me, I'll I'll go for it. Yeah. Ronnie Blakely, seriously, the best debut of an actress I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. She's so good. The fact that she wasn't the front runner throughout the entire season baffles me. Um, I don't think you can get any better than what Ronnie did here. She, she pulled every emotion you had. You wanted her to. You wanted to give her a hug. Yeah. You wanted to give Barbara Jean a hug and tell her it was going to be okay. She's fantastic. She should have fucking won. I don't get how she didn't win this Oscar. Mm -hmm. Well, I have her and Lily Tomlin left. Mm -hmm. This was difficult for me because they're doing two very different things. Very different. But. I give the runner-up to Ronnie Blakely, and I give Lily Tomlin the win. So my number one's your number five. Yes. Which is always interesting. Yes. So um, Ronnie, I don't know what else we can say that we haven't said already. She's marvelous in this movie. Mm -hmm. I believe her from start to finish. She's kind of the centerpiece for the movie, which you touched on. Mm -hmm. Everything, in a way, kind of revolves around her, mm -hmm. but not directly. Yeah. Um, she's a great singer. She has a presence. She... Ends the movie on such a great, sad, heartbreaking note. Yeah. But when it comes to Lily Tomlin, she's the thing about the movie that I remember. Mm -hmm. Like, I've seen this movie a few times, and when I think of this movie, I think of her in that nightclub. Yeah, in the booth. Yeah, so I think I respond to the internal thing maybe a little bit more than you might. Mm -hmm. For some reason, that really draws me in, in mm -hmm. a way. And I was, I was kind of going through it with her in that moment when she's listening mm -hmm. to... Um, Tom, I think was his name, sang yeah. that song, I'm Easy. And she she gives a very quiet performance that's in a way stands out for me yeah. among the rest of the cast. Yeah. And I'm just drawn in by it. Yeah, and the thing is, thinking about our past episodes, yeah. I've always given the last spot to someone who I really just couldn't know. It was kind of usually how I responded. I don't, I'm not like that with, with Lily here. Again, she's not the worst in the mm -hmm. lineup, but I need something else. I need something to be pushed a little bit more. I wanted to put her higher. I did, especially in front of Lee Grant, but Lee gave me a little bit more physical acting. Mm -hmm. I can't pinpoint a moment in Nashville where I'm like, there's the nomination. I think that might have been it for me, mm -hmm. but I love, I love Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Fucking love her. I just, I want, I want more for her to do, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm. So, okay. that, wow, we were really opposite there. On, on one and five. What, when I said, when I said her as five, what was, I mean, did you expect that at all? Or? No, no, I expected her to be like maybe three or two. I had a feeling Ronnie was your number one. Yeah. But I didn't think she'd be five. Yeah. Um, see, you, you took me by surprise with Madeline Kahn not winning. Yeah. For 74, and I took you by surprise with Lily Tomlin here at five. Mm -hmm. All right. Actress, want to lead us off? Sure. So my number five for lead actress for 1975 is going to be Anne Margaret for Tommy. Mm. This is a pretty good lineup, and I don't get this nomination. It's not that I think she's unworthy of it. I'm just kind of baffled by it in general. Yeah. She's doing great work, 
but is it Oscar winning work? Yeah. I don't know. I also find this movie difficult. I'm not a huge fan of the movie. Mm-hmm. It was a bit of a haul for me to get through. Yeah. Um, I like her in the scenes that she's in, but for me, it's it's not an Oscar movie. Yeah. And I, I mean, I mentioned talking about. It, I think her nomination here is probably the worst in lead in lead actress category of all time. So I, there's no surprise here with me putting her in five either. Um, I am pissed about mm-hmm. this nomination, especially when you had someone like Karen Black in The Day of the Locust. Oh. So here's a little inside story. So, again, if you've listened to my past stuff, I knew Karen Black. And um, Karen was nominated for the Golden Globe for Day of the Locust and lost the nomination by five votes for mm-hmm. getting an actress nomination. But the person who took it from her, I have to believe, is Carol Kane, not Anne Margaret. Oh. That makes sense. She had no precursors. She had no precursors. Everyone else did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only thing I see possible, but if I could take out anybody here, it wouldn't be Carol. It would be Anne Margaret and put Karen in here. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah. Anne Margaret comes in fifth for me. Okay. Four. My number four is going to be Louise Fletcher for okay. when I flew over the cuckoo's nest. Okay. Um, I wanted more from her. I wanted more screen time. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know who Nurse Ratched was. Because when the movie ends, you get a feel for her presence. You know who she is in this hospital. Yeah. But I don't really know who she is outside of it. Yeah. And there's like, there's some dimension, dimensionality, is that a word? That, it is that, now. Yeah. That just isn't there for me. Yeah. And I just needed more. So, and this is, this the remaining top three is a pretty good top three. And so yeah. that's why she's my four. Well, she's also my four. Okay. So we're, we're on the same page here so far. Again, um, after seeing someone like Linda Jackson and Hedda being that diabolical, I need if you're going to be a horrible character, I need you to be horrible. Mm-hmm. I don't need the sly, slick, horrible I need in my face, which I get some characters aren't like that. Nurse Ratchet, she played it safe for me. I want more... I, I want to know what drives her. Yeah. I want to know why she's so evil. What's interesting is this character is pretty infamous for being like one of the top villains in movie history, but I don't really, watching it this I last time, yeah. really focusing on her character, yeah. I don't really get it. No, I don't. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Well, we agree so far. Yeah. What do we, th- what do we say? For number three? Uh-huh. My number three is going to be Carol Kane for Hester Street. Okay. I don't dislike her in this role at all. I just wish the movie were her. Mm-hmm. I wish it were her movie because she doesn't really come into like the second act of the movie and there for a while like I said I was like am I watching the right movie? Where's Carol Kane? And So you kind of wish it was like watching her on the boat getting yeah, to America. Like if it had started with her getting to America if it yeah. had started with her, with her before she came I just the, the structure of the movie or not the narrative arc I guess you could say is not really doing her any favors mm-hmm. When she's there, she's great. Yeah. She's doing wonderful work. I'm glad she got nominated for this. Yeah. But the movie's not doing her any favors. Okay. And so that's why she's my three. Well, my three goes to Glenda Jackson. Okay. For Head Up. Um, she's really good here. I really like the movie. I wish the movie was able to be seen more. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, it, 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 it would definitely benefit from at least a DVD release. Stream it somewhere. Clean it up a little bit because it is a is really outdated when you do see it. Yeah. Um, she's vile. She's evil. I like it. 
Um, had this been I, another year, I probably would have given it to her, but the final two for me are too strong to ignore. Yeah, these top three are great. Which is funny because your th- third is obviously not in your final two, and mm-hmm. my third is in your final two. Oh, yeah. Um, I like it. I, I don't really have a complaint for it. I, I like Linda Jackson. This is definitely a lot better because she, she placed dead last in 1970 for me. Oh, right. Uh, right. For Women in Love. Um, and she was really, really high up in uh, Touch of Class for me. Mm-hmm. So I like it. I just, like the other two are too hard to ignore for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I place her third. Okay. Okay. So uh, I've got my one and two left, so I'll give my two, and then you'll obviously know my one. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number two is going to go to Isabel Anjani for the story of Adele H. Okay. And my winner for the year is um, going to Jackson Berhetta. Okay. So starting with Isabel, I think I'm saying that right. Um, I was like taken on a ride with this character. Mm-hmm. Like, this lady's fucked up. Yeah. And she just gets more and more fucked up throughout the movie. Like, just when you think, this bitch can't get more fucked up. She gets fucked Surprise. up. Surprise. Um, so I was with her for the movie. Uh, I was really into it. I thought the movie was just okay, but her performance is what was pulling me through it. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to Glenda Jackson, who I'm giving my number one spot to, she gives me all the dimensions that I wasn't getting from Louise Fletcher. She has comedy. She has moments of evil. She has more lighthearted moments. Mm-hmm. And I just find her character more interesting. Um, Adele H., is also interesting, but you don't get much of a difference in her personality throughout the movie. She just gets more and more messed up. Yeah. She just keeps going down and down and down the staircase. Whereas with Glenda Jackson, there's more of um, there's more of a roadmap that mm-hmm. she's taking you on. And I love that scene where she's burning her ex-lover's manuscript. You're really hooked on that scene. I, I watched that scene a few times. Did you watch that with Seth? No. No, okay. he did not watch it with me. Because I, I would have been intrigued to hear you say like his reaction to that. Yeah. Because you're really hooked on this scene. Yeah. So I was really into it. I think Glenda Jackson's wonderful. Yeah. Um, it's too bad that she isn't wasn't around more. But of course, you know, she was doing her job in Parliament, so yeah. can't fault her too much. But yeah, she's my number one here because I was just living for Hedda. Nice. Um. So my number two is Isabella Johnny, mm-hmm. which would so we agree there. Yeah. As a runner-up, but my winner is Carol Kane. Um, I'm gonna bounce off of what you said though regarding with Isabel, is that usually as a person or even as a character, when you hit rock bottom, you can only go up. Mm-hmm. Her character hits rock bottom, then goes down. Yeah. And there is no light at the end of that tunnel for for Adele. Um she's great. It's 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 again French film. I think it's fantastic. I I wish and I guess I guess that's a common thing too. In another year, in yeah. another year, it's always in another year. Um, I wish she would do more American film. Mm-hmm. She hasn't done American film in quite some time. Um, but I do. I, I like her a lot here. But Carol Kane, it's it it's that, it, it's that scene of ripping the hair from the husband and her fighting back and just saying, and she's pretty much like, I fuck you. I've had it. I think she's so strong here um, in, a, in a year where it is, again, unanimously known as a horrible lineup all around. She's She is that light at the end of that tunnel that Adele H cannot get to. Um, she is sublime, and I want... 
I want to also give her a hug. Yeah. <laughs> like, I really felt bad for her. Gittel is just beaten. Yeah. And not so much, I mean, she's beaten, but she's just beaten down as a character. Uh-huh. And like Ronnie Blakely as Barbara Jean, I just want to hold them and go to tea with them. And mm-hmm. just be like, this, everything's going to be okay. I I like her. I, I like Hester Street. I, I wish Criterion would pick it up. That'd be a good one for them. That would be a really good one. Yeah. And I wish, I want to get Carol Kane on the show so bad. She's, she, a, she's from Cleveland. She's from Cleveland. Yes. And the place that I bartend in, which is actually, it's, it's awesome. We have a Cleveland drink menu. So it's always based, I, I work at a, at a high-end cocktail bar. And as, I hate the term, but as yeah. the mixologist, so I'm going to call myself bartender, but as the bartender there, we all, or as the bartenders, we all get together and put, you know, our minds together and craft these cocktails. And yeah. so um, the, the, the menu is always based off of Cleveland, whether it's Cleveland people, places, things, and Saints and Sinners is our current menu. And there's a drink that I called the Carol Kane, which is a vodka base with um, lemon and grapefruit and orange bitters and a flarenum float. And then you smoke orange and lemon peel into it, and it's called the Carol Kane, and it is the best seller. It is mm-hmm. the biggest seller off the Oh, really? And I want her on the show uh, to talk to her and tell her, like, yo, you got a drink. You are Shirley <laughs> Temple, but now with alcohol. Right. I, I love her. I, I think she's great. I do, too. So this was a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. And this is definitely one that we were kind of opposites on. Yeah. We weren't so in line this year. Oh, no. I mean, Actress was kind of lined up except for one and three. Mm-hmm. But supporting Actress was definitely different. Yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, until next week. Right. All righty. Thank you guys for listening so much. I'm Joey Gentili. I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And we are your Academy Queens, taking a look at the Academy Awards per decade, per category, season one of Ladies of the 70s. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.